Hey, welcome. This is the Gentle Rebel podcast where we talk about navigating life's edges with a spirit of compassionate creativity. I'm Andy Mort. I'm a songwriter and creativity coach, and I love exploring the power that gentleness has in changing our world from the inside out for the better. Um, This week, I want to dive into the topic of inspiration. Now, this is a, a word that might conjure a whole bunch of different things in the minds of everyone who hears it. And as a songwriter and musician, it's, it's something that's always fascinated me. You know, this, the, the kind of the realm of ideas. Where do ideas come from? How do we make space for them? How do we know what to do with them? When are they ready to be uh, addressed and played with? And when do they need more time to just sit and germinate and become what they need to become? Uh, and also, what do those things look like for us as individuals? Because I think this this works for each of us in different ways as well. You know, how do we become aware of what's going on within this process and what does it mean to allow something to sit and germinate? So in this episode, I want to, I guess, touch on some of this stuff. I want to talk about uh, the idea of the inspiratory system, which is uh, a way that I've come to understand this process of input and output, you know, how creative inspiration is a lot like breath. You know, it's this uh, breathing in, uh, allowing things to to kind of do what it do what they do inside of us and then express out um, and there are different factors as well different conditions that impact the quality of that air that we're breathing in which in turn has an impact on what's going on within us and then the quality and 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 whatnot of what we're breathing out as well this is not just something that applies to creative work um, or creativity in in a traditional sense how we might understand it. it's also about the way that we express what it means to be alive, what it means to be us, to be what we are becoming. So we're going to be thinking about the different aspects of that inspiratory system. And I'm going to uh, share a couple of things that uh, I have found really helpful when it comes to reflecting on uh, where I am right now with the different aspects of or the different sources of inspiration and potential sources of inspiration in my life and and where that kind of that where that can sort of point us in terms of the things we might want to address when it comes to growing life um, in a way that we want it to look and to feel and to sound um so yeah i mean inspiration it's like what what does it mean it's something that is quite difficult to uh, really articulate really define but it can't be rushed it can't be forced it requires time it requires uh, dwelling dwelling with things it comes from the same origin as the words respiration and perspiration and spirit as well they all share this foundation of breathing of breath of inhaling exhaling beginnings and ends respiration is a cycle of breath a system of input and output breathing in a bunch of basic elements and compounds which produce a creative energy for us to use in in each living moment respiration occurs because we have air to breathe a steady rhythm at work and we've given the process over to second nature and the unconscious creativity gentleness love personal growth all these kinds of things are, are the results of an intentional approach to the inspiratory system and we can give those over as well to the unconscious those rhythms the conditions that give rise to more of it um, to occur inspiration happens whether we're consciously aware and intentional about it or not you know we breathe in the spirit of the world around us 
and we breathe out whatever that does after we've processed it. The life that we express is kind of this, in a sense, a mirrored reflection of the stuff that we're exposing ourselves to and the stuff that we're experiencing in our lives, whether we're really thinking about it or not. But we can be intentional about it. We can raise our awareness, notice what it is that we're breathing in, notice the effect that it's having on what we're feeling, what is going on within us, and then what we're breathing out into the world. At the very start of the pandemic, when, when lockdowns began happening, you know, that I noticed this, this kind of real resistance to slowing down. It took a while for people to, uh, to find a gentler rhythm to life. You know, many of us got busy uh, being busy online, you know, scheduling loads of Zoom calls, doing live streams, uh, posting silly little videos on social media, all this sort of stuff. There's a lot of frenetic activity. I don't know if you remember it when, when lo- the first lockdown started. And while there was a lot of value to be found, it also struck me as a reflection of something that actually we've long struggled with, this fear of slowing down being confronted with this this sense of now you've you've got a pause here now you, this is a chance this is an opportunity an invitation to step back to give yourself space and there's a fear of stopping long enough to hear ourselves think in a world when where we're never allowed to be bored meaningful inspiration can actually be quite hard to come by life is rhythm and we sometimes lose this perspective. We think we need to be, you know, smashing the symbol all the time. When actually it just requires a little deft touch, a kick drum on the first beat, a snare drum on three. Once we've got that established, we can bring in more elaborate flourishes with the rhythm, with the beat. We can drop out altogether, and still have the metronome ticking in our minds so that when we come back in, we're still locked into the groove. Rhythm is dynamic, it ebbs and flows. And like breath, the exhale has no meaning without the inhale. One can't exist without the other. As I was preparing uh, to put this podcast together, I asked people online what the word inspiration means to them. Paula said, uh, it's a feeling, a tickle or a fizz inside, as suddenly my vision of what could be expands and reveals giddy-making opportunity. It's very vulnerable though, and like a new flame, can easily be blown out by my own lack of confidence or self-dismissal. I really love that image, a fizzing tickle. You know, I know that feeling when something is sparked to life and I get that, that sense of something expanding within me. I can see something through a lens of possibility and light. And Sonny said something uh, like, for, for him it's authentic, congruent action with one's core values which again speaks to that sweet spot of resonance when our actions, our values, our circumstances, the conditions allow something to become what it wants to become. And this is similar to what uh, I said, as in EYE, not me. (laughs) Um, The inspiration is becoming aware of a possibility for something new that has within it the energy and ability to give it life. So this kind of paints inspiration as an awakening, an awareness, seeing something for the first time or seeing it, seeing it in a new way or in a certain way for the first time. It requires us to have 
uh, the receptiveness to be aware. And it requires the conditions that give rise to the possibility and to that receptiveness as well. The inspiratory system is one of in-breath and out-breath. It completes through action, through a response, through turning what we take in into something that we breathe out, that we express, that we contribute, that we give. It seems to be uh, closely linked with intuition as well. You know, the process of knowing something without knowing how you know, being in flow, having a connection to something beyond our intellectual understanding of things. It's like a, a gifted breath of something that just makes you think, oh, okay, what's this then? <laughs> we talk about an inspired performance in uh, things like sport or on stage, which is when something magical is turned outwards and expressed. You know, inspiration is only visible when it becomes that outbreath. We might feel inspired, but if we don't do anything with that feeling, you know, what does that actually really mean? We don't say, I felt inspired but didn't do anything. <laughs> the feeling of being inspired is, is kind of intrinsically linked to action itself. Even if the action is to wait, you know, you might say, oh, I felt inspired to wait. <laughs> it's like a, uh, an inspired pause. This is something I'm observing a lot in my own creative uh, practice and process as I'm uh, recording this. You know, I'm, I'm currently writing and producing um, a load of new songs and the inspiratory process is one that I'm finding is really ebbing and flowing. It's cycling in different ways as I go. I'm, I feel the more aware of it than ever as I'm um, embarking on this particular project. You know, there was the initial inspiration when I was uh, staying with my friends um, for a couple of weeks. When, much to my surprise, new music flowed through me as I, I, was, I went and sat at the piano to, to wind down after a coaching session. And then some new stuff just started flowing through my fingers and out of my mouth. And over six days, I wrote 13 songs or the best part of 13 songs, which was like a huge time of, of just flowing inspiration. Not necessarily that I was... Uh, struck by an idea that I was like, I need to explore that idea. In, the, in this first initial uh, phase, it was just allowing the idea to become something through me. The, the idea came through the playing. So I sat at the piano, I, I played, I, I sang, um, and that was pretty much all that was required of me in that phase, just to let it flow and then to capture what came out. So I recorded voice memos, I wrote down lyrics and did a bit of crafting, a little bit of... Um, uh, kind of honing things but it was mostly just improvisation and allowing what came out to come out and then to capture it and so that was how that particularly particular inspired moment unfolded then it was about moving into a second phase of this process or a different phase of this pro process where the inspiration I was looking for was essentially what to do with those ideas how to uh, shape the songs recognizing okay what do these want to become or at least what was the next step in that journey <laughs> what do they need in order to know what it is that they might want to become and so this was when i, I borrowed a uh, an electric drum kit from my friend emma um, and just spent about two or three days really like giving the song some bones essentially looking for the grooves allowing them to find their feet and from there i rebuilt everything on top of the drums, uh, which was kind of another inspiration moment. It was full of surprising twists and turns. And there were many moments of discovery where it was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Maybe let's sort of take that to 
that level or whatever um, during that process. And then the third part was committing the groove or committing to the groove by committing it to the proper recording process. So I uh, recorded all the drum parts properly uh, in the studio. And I guess the inspired part of this process was in the preparation. You know, I was playing with um, with the tempos, with the arrangements of the demos as I was preparing for that session. Um, and it was like, okay, some of them, I'm going to change the the tempo, the rhythm, the feel. Everything was was kind of up for grabs in that moment. And so, yeah, the inspiration came in the preparation. Um, and I, I sped up some stuff, chopped a few of the tracks up <laughs> because there was... I don't know, there's, there's something semi-permanent about recording the drum parts. And while I can still change things a bit um, after after that point, uh, they are kind of what they are. They're, we catch it, captured the specific sound of the drums, the feel of my performance um, and all of that. So it's that's kind of like, okay, we've committed to that. That is the next stage of that journey, which takes me kind of to the place where I am right now, producing and mixing the tracks um, which again is an it's another type of inspiration. It's another time for inspiration. Some of it's very straightforward. I know exactly how I want it to sound and how I want it to feel as I finish recording the parts and get ready to to take it into the studio to mix them. But other bits have required like a lot of inspiration because it's like oh this just does not feel right, quite right. Or I in the there's there's been moments where in the demos I performed a certain part like in a way that I've not been able to replicate. And I'm like, I really want to recapture that, but it's very, very difficult to do so. Um, or I know there's something just needing to be found within the track, but I haven't quite um, chipped away and uncovered it yet. So that can require hard work. It can require, uh, or it does require, trust and patience. There are many moments when I feel stuck. I feel uninspired and it's tempting to say, ah, oh, yeah, screw it, that'll do or to throw it away, or to try and force it and end up breaking it. But I've learned over the years that this is a time for patience and gentleness. To be there for the idea, to keep showing up, ready to help when it comes to life. You know, asking, what does what this need right now? It's not something that can be easily prescribed with an exact formula in any way whatsoever but requires like self-awareness. It requires experimentation and it requires a lot of failure along the way to, to kind of work it out. I know that sometimes inspiration emerges through a frustrating day of prodding and poking and it's like, oh, this is just not working. And then maybe towards the end of the day, it's like the breakthrough happens, but you kind of have to go through all of that frustrating prodding and poking in order to get there. While other times the breakthrough will just come when I walk away from things for a while. So it's kind of a, a case of asking, yeah, what does this song or what does this piece of work or what does this decision um, need from me? What does it require? Um, sometimes it's a mixture of these things. It requires me to prod and poke for a while and then it just needs me to walk away so that the unconscious magic can happen. It's a bit like practicing something that's like beyond your abilities or previous abilities. And uh, I remember doing this when I was learning drums as a, as a teenager or as a kid. And you'd be like, this is impossible. I just cannot get this. And then you, you kind of walk away, you sleep on it. Something shifts. That means the next day you sit down 
at the drum kit or whatever, and suddenly you can do it as if you've had all the right pieces there, but you just kind of need to get out of your own way so that those pieces can arrange themselves in the right way so that when you come back to it, everything's in place. Um, And sometimes that is exactly what inspiration is like. I don't want this episode to uh, just be about creative inspiration, or at least not only the, you know, the kind of inspiration that results in some kind of creative outcome, like a, a song or a painting. I want to think about inspiration as it infuses all of life. The kind of sparks that we encounter in day-to-day life, the stuff that gives us a sense of aha, you know, those aha moments, the connection, the ideas, the new possibilities, a spark of openness and curiosity. This is really uh, nicely described by uh, Helena Roth as Tankispian, which is a kind of inspiration that occurs when we walk along our edge. Helena talks about gentleness with an edge and that it's the relationship we have with our own edge that opens us up to experience what she describes as Tankispian. It happens when we say yes to uncertainty and doubt. It's found in the invitation or the willingness to experience a shift, not enforced from an external source, but through an inner electric surge where something ignites and a new possibility is seeded or a new perspective is seeded. I spoke with Helena uh, about this a while back, and uh, I want to share some clips from that conversation with you now. For me, it is when I hear, see, read, experience something that makes my brain go, what? You know, it's like, it's that twisting, turning, where it's just, and it, and it doesn't have to be words. It can be a painting. I had a friend make this lovely painting of fish. And, you know, it's like, I couldn't see what it was. I had to like, look at it. And then once I saw it, it was like, oh, now I see what it is. So that was a visual tankispan, right? The tankispan, it is that edge thing. It is that, oh, you know, it's like, which way is it going to fall? And I'm, am I going to hurt myself while I'm walking oh. along this edge, right? It is that. And, and then when there's like, you know, I see a dot connected, I go, huh, there you go. And it just kind of clears up. There's a clarity to it that can, you know, okay, now I can breathe a bit more. And then I go, oh, but what about this one? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been having some moments like that when it comes to what I do, how I do it, um, why I do it, um, tweaking, going, okay, I'll do it this way. And then like getting... My Caspian is great at asking me things that just makes me go, hey, wait, I'm doing this, but is it serving me? Is it, is it providing, you know, kind of, is it value adding the amount of time, effort, energy I put into it? What am I getting out of it? Just a little question. I can go, hey, what if? Um, so there's been a lot yeah. in that this week. Mm. How does gentleness fit into your life and things? So I wouldn't, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation if I hadn't learned how to do gentle. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know I could do gentle. 
I didn't know that that was an option until sometime 2006, seven, um, in a in a session with a therapist where for various reasons, I didn't bring cash to pay her. And I came in to her and I was so ashamed. And I was, you know, I was beating up on myself verbally in front of her, feeling so ashamed that I was so disrespectful. And she looked at me and was like, you're so hard on yourself. And and that was when, that was a question that was tankespian for me because I went, I don't have to be, you know, is, is it an option not to be? She said, well, yeah, I just say that I'll bring twice the cash next time. And I just went, what? You, can, you know, it doesn't have to be harder than that. Right. So I was, let's see, I was 33, 4, 34, 35 when I, when, when that happened. Yeah. So since then, I've learned how to do gentle, and I've I've experimented with it. I've had the help of of um, therapists and coaches and friends and a mastermind group. I've been blogging a lot about it, etc. And gradually, I've come to a place where it is by far it's it's my default state. I don't have the harsh voices within anymore. They have like left the building because it's like, it's kind of boring to hang with me because I just do not engage with them anymore. So they left the building and I have this um, gentle uh, way of being with myself. And the edge is what makes it thrilling, right? So that is tankespian it is when i am gentle with myself you can challenge me you can i i get to try things out and you know fail miserably and go oh wow that was so thrilling i learned so much you know my old me would have been terrified of trying something new out and if i did and i failed miserably i would beat myself up relentlessly you know, how could you be so dumb? Why did you? You should have known. Yada, yada, yada. You know, which I think is very, very common voices within. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the, yeah. the, the gentleness is, it's like the foundation that the Tankaspian can really take off on. Mm. There's a link to uh, a video of the full conversation with Helena in the show notes, if you'd like to. Uh, hear more explore more of those ideas and a load of uh, other stuff as well it's a kind of hour hour or so long conversation i I just really love this idea of the edge being thrilling the inspiration almost has this dangerous vibe to it something that can shake our life up and leave us altered in some way forever it can be something as small as the right question at the right time that just manages to unlock something inside of us It might even be a question that on one day doesn't land at all, but the next day it's exactly what we need to hear. We're ready for it. Like that idea of coming back to the drum kit and being able to play the thing that yesterday was impossible to play. Something shifts in our mind. Inspiration has this magical way of working within. 
This is why I really love coaching as well, because it focuses on this idea of questions, unlocking awareness and inspiration inside of us, just shaking things up inside of us. And it might be that actually, and this is the, the kind of slow coaching approach that I love taking as well, that a question that you ask in a session might not have any impact in the session itself. But as the mind kind of works with it in the in the week or two weeks or <laughs> it could be any length of time afterwards, there might be a question that just won't leave you alone. And it opens up the doorway of possibility for all kinds of thoughts and ideas to emerge. Through questions, we look at the way things are, the way we, th- we want things to be. And with support from other people, we turn that possibility into a potential reality. That is essentially the coaching process. Okay, so with that said, let's have a look at the makeup of what I love to describe as the inspiratory system. Um, so yeah, that, there are nine parts of the system as I've kind of designed it. Like it's not, it's not a, uh, a perfect thing, but it just gives us something to think about and something to explore when we uh, assess the state of inspiration and our relationship with inspiration and the different parts of our lives. Um, so yeah, they, these, these parts are people, media, education, connectedness, place, play, movement, art, and rest. And I'll explain a little bit more about each one uh, in a second. Um, But each of these can be a source of inspiration. They can give rise to uh, new things, new possibilities, new potentials stirring within us. And when we're intentional in our relationship with these things, we increase the possibilities for inspiration uh, conditions to emerge. So I'm going to run through how I see these things, which are, you know, as I say, they're not a specific set of prescriptive factors, but they're more of a sense of of how and what we hold in relation to each of these things. So starting with people, people have a huge impact on us and the people in our lives can energize or they can drain us creatively with that creative spirit, Um, not creative projects necessarily, but like the creative energy that infuses life that that gives us a sense of aliveness. I'm not talking about social energy, but a deeper well of creative energy. You know how sometimes certain people can just give that spark of possibility. When you think about where you're at in relation to people right now, how much are they a source of inspiration? You know, at the draining end of this spectrum, people actively and intentionally taking us away from what brings us to life, of who we want to become, who we are becoming. People as saboteurs of our creative energy. In the middle of this spectrum, we might find ourselves just, you know, a bit comfortable, a bit safe as we are, not going backwards, but not really exploring who we are with any sense of growth. We might have become just fairly comfortable in relationships with other people, and we may just do the same things with those people. And then on the inspiring end, we might have people around us who who really empower and energize us. Maybe people who push us to become more of who we want to be. They encourage us to become better versions of ourselves and give us an alive sense of possibility and potential. The second source of inspiration comes from media. So with rolling news, on-demand TV services and an infinite supply of content to consume through social media feeds, yeah, it's a time of information abundance, isn't it? And it, it wouldn't be strange to assume that this would be a great source of inspiration. You know, it's like all of this stuff that like there's, there's amazing like access to all of this 
uh, great knowledge and, and information. But there's so much, isn't there? And unless you call anxiety and the fear of missing out and overwhelm inspiration, it's worth kind of re-examining, reimagining, getting more intentional about our relationship with the information that we let into our lives. You know, information helps us to stay connected. It helps us stay plugged into the world around us in positive ways. It can be a source of safety, the things that we need to know in order to stay safe these things that can positively inform the decisions that we make in different parts of our lives. But too much of it can leave us feeling disempowered and hopeless as well. So at the draining end of this spectrum, we might be consuming a lot of media that has an adverse effect, an adverse impact on our mood. It leaves us in that state of disempowerment and anxiety about the state of things and about our own position within the big picture. In the middle of the spectrum, we might be quite intentional about our media consumption. It's rare that we're deeply moved maybe or stirred or inspired to act or or change in some way because of what we're watching or listening or reading. Um, But it's, it's kind of, it's, it's there. We have a sense of control over what we, um, what we let in. And then at the creatively energizing end, we have a a healthy relationship with, with media, uh, with media consumption, Um, And often feel deeply moved and inspired to positively act by the things that we choose to watch, to listen to and or to read. Another source of inspiration is education. The love of learning is a deep source of inspiring stuff. Um, Many of us forget that we can keep learning and finding education after we leave formal schooling. Uh, You know, maybe our education become limited to training events that we have to attend at work or qualifications we've got to do in order to to like meet the requirements to go up the ladder, uh, the career ladder. Um, We might stumble upon things that are actually quite inspiring ideas within those contexts. But actually, we might overall have come to resent education because it's become something that we only do because it has a particular productive purpose or point or you know it's we have to do it in order to appease some external authority or whatever it is you know if you could learn anything in the world what would you choose and it doesn't have to have career purpose or point it's not something that you feel you should learn because uh, you know everyone else is learning about it or it's the latest thing to hit the news what about things that matter to you The only thing that matters is your connection to it, the pull and the draw of this particular thing, this field to you personally. This is about our relationship with education, not simply the fact that we are learning. It's not so. I mean, for some people, the pressure to learn and always be gaining knowledge, even if it is detached from a a productive purpose, it can be exhausting, but it can be something that we can't release we might see this through perfectionistic tendencies the drive to always prove ourselves uh, through kind of hoarding information for gathering information from knowing everything from being right and all that kind of stuff and again this is something that helena roth talks about in our conversation where this this kind of internal pressure to know everything about everything uh, really just kind of drove her for a while until she was she learned to be gentle with herself and then that changed her relationship with education with learning so it became a source of inspiration it became something that expanded her from within it came from an intrinsic place 
rather than this this drive this insatiable drive for more for and that, that can never be satisfied not to gain anything other than the joy of connection within at the draining end this might feel like you know we're not learning anything that the world has an overwhelming amount of stuff for us to to even know where to begin trying to get our head around so we don't bother pursuing any curiosities or potential new interests even if we feel them it's like well there's just so much i can never learn it all in the middle of this spectrum we might embrace opportunities to learn you know but rarely allow ourselves to stretch far beyond our current interest areas or maybe if we're given the opportunity to learn through that those kind of work events or whatever we might explore a little bit more around that but um it's always the catalyst is always this other thing um we might want to give ourselves more permission to spend time and money on gaining new skills and knowledge or we might not know what we really want to learn about and then at the end energizing end of this spectrum we might be actively enjoying and energized by uh, learning new things and and feeling free to invest our time and our money and our energy into expanding our knowledge and our skills um, and so we recognize when we're pursuing knowledge for the wrong reasons when we're being dr- like uh, kind of driven by that external thing and just giving ourselves the permission permission to rest at these times to step back to say do you know what i know enough then there's connectedness so inspiration often grows when we feel connected to the world outside and beyond ourselves. For some, this might be a kind of sense of spirituality. It might be a sense of belonging within a community or being one with the natural world. When we step out of our own heads and into something bigger than us. When we contribute and sacrifice a part of our present for the sake of something outside of that immediate experience outside of that immediate moment. When we're plugged in and giving without expectation, we might find inspiration emerge from that moment when we feel connected to the story of humanity and nature that was set in motion billions of years ago and will continue billions of years after we are gone. We've often been trained to make these ideas kind of small in our minds. But what if actually they hold the possibility for all kinds of interesting and inspiring ideas and a real sense of aliveness and presence? At the draining end of connectedness, we might feel disengaged, disconnected and isolated from our sense of personal meaning in the bigger picture. This can leave us cynical, desensitized when we look at the world out there. We might feel separate from things and thus resentful and disempowered when it comes to thinking about our place in that bigger picture. The middle of this line might be somewhere we can see how things ought to be connected. In theory, it all works like this. And at times we might experience those aha moments of engagement within that bigger picture. But it's not always easy to feel that engaged, that engaged and that connected feeling. And at the inspired end of the spectrum, we might be regularly feeling a deep sense of connectedness to the big picture in the world around us, which often then stimulates action and energy in our life. It's a life force, a driving force, a feeling that what we do has an impact, that it matters in some way. Another source of inspiration is place. Our relationship with place has a great bearing on the inspiratory process. It impacts us in all different ways kinds of ways maybe we're inspired through travel 
Or perhaps we get inspired when we have a safe place that feels like ours, somewhere that we can just kind of really belong to ourselves within. Do you get inspired by seeing and engaging with new environments, coming to realise that, ah, there's other ways of organising spaces that have not occurred to me before. Look at this. But I mean, that might be the inspiration itself. It's like inspiration through seeing different places and being like, oh, yeah, that occurs to me as something that I can, you know, use in my space when I get back to my home or whatever. I can create, I can tinker with my environment. Or maybe this is the first part of a process where you tinker to create a space that nurtures conditions for other kinds of inspiration to take root. The sense that, ah, yeah, this this possibility, I can, there's an environment for spending time with others. It's a, a place, I can create a place to be creative. I can create a place that is just lovely to cook in or to read in or to work in. So nurturing the conditions using place, using your environment as a place to nurture conditions for other kinds of inspiration. And so at the draining end of of this spectrum, the place spectrum, we might constantly feel like we're in the wrong place. We don't feel connected to or inspired by our environments and we're not visiting places that bring us to life. Again, it's a sense of disconnection to the world around us, but it's also underpinned by a desire to be elsewhere or for where we are to be different but not with a sense of empowered action where actually we're inspired to alter things. You feel that sense of things need to be different. I'm going to change it. But rather it's a sense of resignation that we have no control over it. This might be a story that we're telling ourselves or it might be a story that somebody else is telling to us. In the middle of this place line, we probably feel connected to the spaces around our lives from time to time. We enjoy visiting new places occasionally. We get a taste of it it energizes and inspires us we always think ah oh, yeah i must rem- i remember how this feels we desire to use that feeling to make a change but the action itself might not occur remember it's that idea of inspiration being the outbreath as well as the inbreath maybe that outbreath doesn't quite connect and then the inspired end of the spectrum the energized end of that place spectrum we're deeply integrated into the spaces, within the spaces around our lives. Find con- a consistent inspiration within our favourite environments, at home, elsewhere. We feel empowered to make changes to our physical environment when it seems appropriate and right to do so. And then there's play. Inspiration doesn't just come from other places, other people and other situations or things going on around us. We can actually generate inspiration through our own actions, routines, habits. A big source of this kind of inspiration is play. You know, we get inspired by the things that we do and the feeling of growth we can experience through active involvement in non-productive creativity, non-productive play. A huge number of the greatest ideas, the greatest works of art, the greatest inventions through human history have found life through this channel of play. It helps us open up to different parts of our brain. It takes our attention away from trying to think and it connects dots that we didn't know had links between them. At the draining end of this spectrum, we might be doing very little, if anything, creative or playful right now. We might feel alienated from existing creative practices that we have built maybe in the past, or we're overwhelmed at the idea of doing anything that doesn't have a useful or productive outcome attached to it. 
play has a story attached to it that that means it's really difficult for us to allow ourselves to do it it's for other people or it's for kids it's something like for children it's a childish thing for adults to do or it's for after the work is done but the work never gets done it's never finished in the middle of the spectrum we might know what we enjoy doing when it comes to creativity and play but often forget to do it when we make time to engage in non-productive pursuits we remember again how much it benefits us but we forget to make it a consistent priority and then on the energizing end of the spectrum we're making regular time for uh, creative play and we consistently feel its impact infusing different areas of our lives it seems to exude residue all over the place and leaves us with energy with humor with perspective it feels light to hold okay then there's movement there's often a link between movement and inspiration you might have found that getting outside or doing some kind of physical exercise has created an inspiring breakthrough for you movement is an integral part of the inspiratory system just like play it makes space for inspiration to strike by allowing us to look elsewhere and to stop looking for it uh, maybe there's something that we notice in the place where we're moving or perhaps something connects within and we suddenly know how we want to address a problem or approach something that hasn't been clear until this point movement is important for our general well-being and the state of our being so that we are receptive to new ideas and the nudges when they arrive and it is also an important rhythm it creates rhythm that inspiration inspiration sort of thrives within so at the draining end of the movement spectrum we might not have much opportunity to move our bodies at all. Maybe life is designed right now in such a way that there aren't any obvious places where we get to physically move. And then when we try to prioritise it, maybe it just feels so difficult to motivate ourselves. So we don't experience the energy of movement and in fact feel worse because we struggle to do what we know we want to do, what we know is, is going to be good for this inspiratory system. And so we beat ourselves up even more about that. In the middle of this spectrum, we're exercising our body from time to time. We're feeling energized. We're feeling inspired when we do it. But again, it's not always easy to remember. It's not always easy to make it a priority. And there are things in life that kind of get in the way of making it a regular habit. And then on the energizing end of the spectrum, we make physical movement a priority and find ourselves consistently coming up with new ideas and having breakthroughs as a result of these times. These are things that we that we draw ourselves towards because we know how good it feels and how constructive they can be if we're struggling, if, we feel, if the last thing we're feeling we should be doing is moving our bodies, we know it's the first thing that we should actually be doing. Then there's art as a source of inspiration. You know, I didn't want to put this one too early on because it's probably one that a lot of us think about when it comes to, you know, taking into account sources of inspiration. Um, but we're standing on the shoulders of giants. We've got access to an abundance of all the inspiring work produced over hundreds, if not thousands of years through the imaginations of humans. Music, theatre, film, literature, dance, craft, visual arts. You know, all of these things can infuse the inspiratory system in a whole range of unexpected ways. Rather than allowing the size of the archives of art through the ages to overwhelm us, 
beckoning us on as consumers of this infinite, overwhelming library? What if art is an invitation into another world, a world of adventure, imagination and labyrinthian corridors where we can observe, we can listen, we can rest, we can become part of the story? Allowing art to create us as we learn more about who we are forever in that process of becoming. Art not as knowledge, but as an encounter, an encounter with new depths of ourselves with the world around us. This is the role of art in the inspiratory system. It provokes, it stirs, it speaks to us in all kinds of unimaginable ways. On the draining or uninspiring end of the art spectrum, we don't feel connected to the world of arts. Perhaps we feel envious rather than inspired or connected, or we simply don't experience the arts at all right now in our lives. We're not experiencing any novelty or aha moments from the creative work uh, that comes out from other people. In the middle of this spectrum, we might have regular experiences of the arts, but we might sometimes find ourselves defaulting to things that we've seen or heard before, and maybe we struggle to find different things to experience. And then at the inspiring end of the spectrum, we spend a lot of time encountering and enjoying a variety of creative and artistic expression and feel connected to how it speaks and inspires us in different areas of, of our life. It's not something that is compartmentalized into a consumption aspect of our life. We watch that over there. It actually infuses and inspires everything that we do. And then finally, last and well, I mean, the opposite of least, uh, the note I want to end on when it comes to the sources of inspiration in this inspiratory system is rest. It's one of the most commonly overlooked aspects of inspiration. You know, society's obsession with productivity and busy, busyness can actually cause us to be less productive and effective a lot of the time, especially when it comes at the price of our well-being. When we are well rested, we're in a much better position to notice and to respond to inspiration. Our minds become clearer. Our sense of urgency and busyness has a bigger, bigger bubble around it, absorbing it. Inspiration emerges through the cracks, the gaps, the pauses. It doesn't become what it's truly capable of being unless we give it that margin and space. And that means us. We must give ourselves pause, stillness, rest. So on the draining end of this spectrum, we're just exhausted. We don't allow ourselves to rest because we feel we should be making better use of our time. We've been trained to see rest as laziness. And so we're always pushing, always searching, always desperate to find the inspiration, but always breathing out. The middle of this spectrum means we might get a decent level of rest, decent level of sleep. We can get through the day, but when we're stuck on a problem or feeling uninspired, we might tend to kind of gravitate to that tendency to try harder. Um, rather than allowing ourselves to just stop, to rest, to walk away, to do something completely unproductive. We don't pause to ask ourselves, you know, what am I really feeling? What does my mind, what does my body really need right now? And then on the energizing end of that spectrum, we're very comfortable allowing ourselves to rest when we recognize that we're tired or uninspired. We regularly spend time doing nothing and often feel much better and much more inspired um, or receptive to inspiration to land 
as a result. So yeah, that's a, a kind of little rush <laughs> through the nine parts of that inspiratory system as I've designed it right now. Uh, I'm sure it will uh, morph over time. Um, but uh, yeah, I've shared a little exercise that you can use to assess the current state of your own inspiratory system. Uh, you'll find a link in the show notes or, or go to andymort.com forward slash inspiration wheel uh, and you'll be directed to this uh, to this little tool, which is essentially aimed at raising awareness about, you know, where things are currently going well, where things could be could do with being addressed and shifted for you um, as you kind of think about what you want to uh, do next. I've created um, also nine uh, short meditation soundscapes um, influenced by the Return to Serenity Island uh, sounds just to kind of help shift the mental state to, to one of expansion and receptiveness for each of these areas so that we're thinking of it in a, a, a more like a, a gentler and more expansive way. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to share one with you right now. Uh, just to sort of yeah give you a, an example of what I mean. And this is, um, this is one to help you think about your current relationship with people. Um, and you can get hold of all of them if you enjoy this. Uh, just go to, uh, go to andymort.com forward slash inspiration wheel and it will take you through once you've done the tool, uh, done the, filled out the wheel, uh, it will take you through to uh, access all the meditations for free. Um, or you can just sign up to the Haven Courtyard um, which is is free to access. Just go to the hyphen haven dot co slash courtyard, and you'll get um, all yeah the the the, rem- the other eight of these um, as well. So yeah, this is the one for people. Take a few deep breaths. Open yourself up to reimagining the possibilities. Invite inspiration as you breathe in. Hold space for a new way of being as you breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Who inspires you? Who impresses you? What is it about them that resonates with you? How do you experience that person? Where do you encounter them? What impact have they had on your life? When do you experience the fizzing tickle of inspiration around other people? And where would you like more of that inspiring energy? Imagine a time in the future when you're experiencing deeply enriching and inspiring relationships. What do the people around you bring out of you? Who are you becoming more of as a result of spending time with them? 
does this feel? What does this look like? Where did you meet these people? Do you see familiar faces? What is changing in your relationship with these people? Has the thing that has changed in you made something new happen in that relationship too? Notice what you're doing. What are you saying? What are people saying to you? Your power, your energy and your confidence are growing. You feel more of yourself than ever. Surrounded by encouragement and support. People who believe in you. People who are rooting for you. People who want you to succeed. Notice who's there. Look at the faces. Who are these people? Now look around you and notice who isn't there. Why do you think that may be? Maybe they're people with whom you've slipped into a rut or a bubble of stagnation or backwards movement. Perhaps they feel the same thing about this relationship and are ready for a change. The change might not be letting go of the relationship itself, but reimagining its possibilities and regrowing it so that it moves into a new chapter with the fizzing tickle of potential. What does that look like? When this relationship is as it should be, what does it look like? Where is it taking you? What is happening? Spend some time in this world, feeling the buzz of inspiration from the encouragement, the playful challenge and the belief imparted from these people. Write the world. Paint the world. Imagine the world. What is changing in you? What is changing around you? Who are you becoming? As I say, if you'd like to hear the rest of those meditations, um, go to andymort.com forward slash inspiration wheel, uh, do the exercise, have a think about, you know, the state of your inspiratory system right now, or just go directly to the Haven Courtyard um, to get them, uh, which is the hyphen haven.co slash courtyards, completely free um, to, uh, to access them. 
So I've written and spoken about inspiration a lot over the years. I've been quite interested to go back and explore some of the old blog posts that I wrote um, as I've been putting this episode together. You know, it's kind of fascinating to see how my thinking has changed. Um, I kind of look through sometimes the cracks in my fingers <laughs> and put them, put my hands over my eyes. Um, but I wrote an article in 2013, um, so nearly 10 years ago as I'm recording this, uh, called The Best Things in Life Aren't Things <laughs> or Free. Uh, and it started with the words, some days it's the search for inspiration that leads you to start creating. Some days it's the search for love that starts, that leads you to start paying attention. Some days it's the search for help that leads you to start helping. The idea was that inspiration comes at a price. All these things come at a price. They cost us something. You know, to be, to be creatively engaged in a way that leads to action isn't something that just lands on our lap. If we want to search for inspiration, for love, for passion, for creativity, for gentleness, for compassion, for whatever one of these things, we must bear in mind that these searches, these pursuits cost us something. They require a sense of sacrifice. But this price is not financial. It's not a transaction. These things are all gifts. Yet they are gifts that come at a price. This might sound like a paradox. The price of perseverance, of dedication, of sacrifice. Sometimes to search for something can seem like an unfathomably hopeless endeavour and sacrifice is what brings meaning to life. When we give more of ourselves than feels comfortable to things that matter to us more than comfort. This is quite an interesting idea that the gift is an invitation to sacrifice. It's kind of a paradox because surely a gift would ask nothing of us. But it's not a request or a demand. As I say, it's an invitation. It's an opportunity to contribute, to spend ourselves, to breathe out. Where the world plugs into us and uses our energy as its own source for life. Because there's something really generative about contributing to something meaningful about spending ourselves on things that are meaningful, of breathing out into things that we are really connected to. An inspired performance requires us to show up and perform, to spend ourselves, to be prepared, to keep practising. What happens when you believe that you don't have to do anything for your relationship because you're in love? Well, it soon runs into problems once whatever it feels like to be in love in your head starts to wear thin. We get inspired when we create the conditions and the habits of outspiration. Uh, the choice of, of what to do with the creative spirit stirring in our soul. Outspiration is uncertain and it can be exhausting. It may lead us nowhere in the short run. It might not feel like we're getting anywhere meaningful, but creative energy is a self-generating and growing force. It's like exercise, which makes you tired in the short run. It makes you tired as you're doing it and immediately afterwards because you put everything into it. But it brings you more energy, more fitness, more health in the long run. In an article called uh, Don't Be a Donkey, Derek Sivers asked, are you trying to pursue many different directions at once? Are you frustrated that the world wants you to pick one thing because you want to do them all? The problem is thinking short term, assuming that if you don't do all the things now, they won't happen. You may have heard this story. Buridan's donkey is standing halfway between a pile of hay and a bucket of water. 
keeps looking left and right, trying to decide between hay and water. Unable to decide, it eventually dies of hunger and thirst. A donkey can't think of the future. If he could, he'd clearly realise that he could first drink the water, then go and eat the hay. Don't be a donkey. You can do everything you want to. You just need foresight and patience. Again, this is an interesting thing to reflect on. You know, we can believe that there is a time for everything we might want to do, but we must hold this with the truth that now is not the time for all of it. Now is simply the time for the next thing, the most important thing right now, the thing to which we have made a commitment maybe for now. So how do we hold inspiration for something completely different while committed to and focusing on the path that we've chosen? I mean, the new thing always looks more attractive or most of the time it looks more attractive because the old thing or the current thing, we are kind of in the middle of it. We're feeling all of the the contradictions and nuance of it and the new thing just looks attractive. So how can we build a process where we hold space for the new without throwing ourselves into it as a way to escape the messiness of the present thing? I think it probably looks different for all of us and it takes some serious practice, some serious remembering. You know, how do we avoid leaping down the rabbit hole when inspiration strikes or when this this kind of novel thing comes into view and it's like, oh, I want to do that instead. How can we honour the idea, record the idea without committing our present to it? and thus sacrificing the true priority for this moment, and probably just going round and round in circles, where it feels like I'm making a bit of progress on this thing, and then something new arrives, I'm inspired by this other thing, so I move to that, and then the same thing happens again. You know, these are not questions I want to answer right now. They're definitely things we're going to be exploring in the Haven, because I think this is such a, I mean, it's a great topic to get different voices and different experiences um, to speak into because I think we all have different experiences around this um, and we're all at different stages of, of self-awareness and learning around it as well like how do we hold these different possibilities these different inspiring ideas um, while at the same time staying on the path that we've we've selected that we've chosen um, for for the time being in the book ego is the enemy Um, Ryan Holiday introduced a standout concept known as the canvas strategy. I don't know if you've come across this. Um, It stems back to his first job as a Hollywood assistant where he was given the advice, make other people look good if you want to succeed. Um, And he describes it as a decent yet fairly inadequate advice, which he now believes he, um, he wouldn't have succeeded as he did if he had just stuck to that approach. Instead, he chose to help people actually be good. Um, rather than simply trying to make them look good. Uh, so this is interesting. I was, I was reflecting on this idea and felt compelled to take it another step, you know, in light of what we were looking at um, when we were talking about habits in the last episode. What if we help people feel good instead? <laughs> so from helping people look good to helping people be good to helping people feel good. So in this episode about um, tiny habits, we talked about successful habits being caused by feeling successful rather than being successful it's the feeling of success that that um kind of uh, pieces things together in our minds and makes us uh, makes the habit stick and i wonder if some of the harmful behavior that we see in the world right now is caused by people feeling 
bad, maybe feeling bad about themselves, being made to feel bad about themselves, um, being disconnected and all of those kinds of things. Maya Angelou famously said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. I wonder what that quote says to you. What does that make you think of? I remember it really speaking to me during um, a, a couple of years where I was caring for a close family friend who had dementia, a horrific disease, which really highlights the power of the emotional memory bank. So it's just something we experience through times of crisis. You know, when we go through a crisis or a traumatic event alongside somebody else, we're more likely to remember how we felt with them during that time, rather than the particulars of maybe what they said or what they did. We, we might remember them doing and saying things, but they, those memories are likely to be remembered or, or misremembered through the lens of emotion rather than precise recall of the events themselves. You know, did they, did they help us feel safe or did they contribute to kind of greater feelings of fear? What we do and say is far less important than how we do and say. This is part of the inspiratory system because when we help others feel good in themselves, not about us, connections are made and inspiration is sparked into life. I remember with my friend John, even when he was unable to speak through the fog of the dementia, he would respond differently to different people. There were carers who were gentle and patient with whom he would expand. You could see his face light up when they entered the room. And then there were others who were maybe quick-tempered and impatient. And he would get visibly agitated. His, his eyes showed a, a sense of kind of fear and anger at times. And he was less receptive and less willing to work with those carers, ironically contributing to the carers' impatience. And from observing a lot of these kinds of interactions, I was able to see time and time again how self-fulfilling prophecies can occur like this in these contexts. The behaviour the carer anticipated was the behaviour that came and it was heavily influenced by their own energy and the approach that they brought to the interaction. If they entered the situation with gentleness, with openness, with patience, they would find it far easier than those who entered with the opposite approach. And those with that opposite approach would have a completely different story to tell. Isn't he hard work? Oh, his behaviour is so challenging. I find this really difficult. Whenever we seem to experience a person differently to other people, differently to how other people are talking about it, it's worth taking a look at, you know, how, how are we making that person feel when we're with them? Are we helping them feel good about themselves? Are we anticipating that they're going to make us feel bad or they're going to be a certain type of person? So therefore, we don't allow them to feel good about themselves. After that experience with John, um, I spoke about it a bit at a TEDx conference that I was invited to perform at in 2014, the end of 2014. Um, and the theme of the event was, was look deeper. Um, so as soon as I had the message from Nicholas, uh, the organiser in Cyprus, I kind of knew I, like, I really want to talk about, a little bit about dementia as well as perform a couple of songs. Like there's, there's something about the experiences that I'd had over the previous couple of years that, that felt really relevant. You know, dementia is all about looking deeper. Um, certainly dementia care. Um, and while someone might appear one way on the surface, um, when you take the time to observe, to notice, to be with them, you find glimpses of their truth 
you find the person there it might be difficult to uncover at times but there's always that that sort of faintest flicker that provides that connection and so in my talk i wanted to convey the fact that even when the body is ravaged by the disease john was always there to be seen even when his body had failed him and his verbal communication was gone glimpses of his character were always there it wasn't until i was kind of constructing writing that talk that i realized how much inspiration we experience as a result of simply noticing what we notice in fact i think this lies at the heart of any sense of purpose or passion that we might feel in life we take this stuff for granted a lot of the time we think others observe and notice the same things as us and in this 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 can sort of lead us to feel confused and even annoyed when it come when it becomes clear that they they don't care about the stuff that we think everyone should care about because we convince ourselves well they must be seeing this they must notice this stuff and yet they're just ignoring it but the thing that is obvious to us isn't necessarily obvious to everyone else and we encounter the thing we think everyone should care about with the same passion as other people hold their most important things the things that they're noticing We don't always notice what we're noticing. And in many ways, that's exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to creating conditions for inspiration to take root and to grow. It's helping us notice what we've noticed. Notice that we notice and connecting the dots of those things, breathing new stuff into our lives and the world around us. So let's finish on a gentle note. Inspiration can come in flashes and explosions but it can also be an expanding inner awareness over time. It's the voice that gives us something new to look at or a new way of looking at what is already there. It comes through experimentation, through routine, through novelty, through connection. It rarely happens in exactly the same way twice and we need to be receptive, ready, waiting. Slowing down, resting, and opening ourselves up. This is key. Even if we find ourselves inspired by frantic and high octane experiences, we still need space and stillness to allow that inspiration to land, to settle, to integrate, and breathe through our lives. I'd absolutely love to hear your experiences of inspiration you know what stands out to you when you think about times when you felt inspired in your life do you recognize where you're at with those parts of the inspiratory system right now and if you go through the inspiration wheel i'd love to hear your reflections like what have you noticed about that what are you noticing about what you're noticing when you've experienced inspiration has it been a flash or a slow burn Have you had different sorts of inspiration? I'd love to, yeah, hear from you. Do get in touch, share your stories through my website, andymort.com. You can leave a comment or you can uh, get in touch directly with me there. Um, And it would be, yeah, lovely to to have a conversation, to open that up with you. Um, So please do feel free to do that. Right. Oh, this has been fun. Um, Thank you for being with me, for listening. Um, And I look forward to doing it again um, soon about something else. Uh, Until then, do remember that you are an artist and that your life is your art. Breathe deep. Breathe gentle. 
Just one more thing quickly before we finish. Because you're listening to this, I imagine you are a reflective person with a caring, creative and compassionate spirit. And I want to just quickly tell you about The Haven, which is a virtual village for quietly creative misfits just like you. Whether you're looking to build lasting friendships with other gently unconventional people or you simply need some respite from the world's noise right now, I've built The Haven for you. With its cafe, theatre, library and fireside, it's a calm bubble of support and encouragement for gentle rebels. It's currently the autumn season in the membership and we're looking at the themes of change, belonging and serenity during September, October and November. Through our conversations in the community as well as resources like the private podcast feed, videos, interviews and short courses, we dive into these themes and ask how we can build healthier, happier and more connected lives in sync with our natural, gentle rhythms. Perhaps you know intuitively that there's so much more within you waiting to burst into life but maybe you don't quite know where to start or how to bring it out in a way that feels good to you. Well, I'd love to welcome you in and show you around The Haven. You can learn more at the-haven.co or you'll find a link in the description for this episode. Take care. Bye-bye.